Good evening and welcome to Dirty Secrets of Small Business. It's Wednesday night. That's our time in Willoughby, Ohio, to talk about small business stuff. I'm Jack Mancini, and I'm here with my co-host, Adam Sunhalter. We've been business coaches with a company called Maximum Value Partners for well over 15 years. My God, Adam, that seems so long. And what do we do? We, we basically talk about our clients' activities without telling you who our clients are. Last couple of days, uh, the, the dialogue went uh, a certain way, and that's kind of what we try to frame our programs about every, every Wednesday evening from 7 to 8 p.m. But uh, again, welcome. Welcome to our program again. And what we're going to talk about tonight is how do you know, you small business owners, how do you know when it's time to sell your company? Wow, that's a good one. I've sold a few, Adam, and uh, that's a tough question to answer. Very, very customized, very individualistic. But it's all yours, buddy. That's right. We've got lots of good stories to share tonight, Jack. And as is always the case, whenever we go through our weeks with our clients, we have lots of uh, different discussions, but there tends to be a, a thread or two that seems to go through. And it's not things that we're driving. It's things that are on our owners' minds. It's things that, that, that start to appear themselves. And uh, it's good It's good discussions. It's good fodder for our for our show, our, our week-to-week show. Um let me mention, first of all, thank you for being part of the show again tonight, and you're always welcome to be part of the show. And there's lots of ways to do that. You can get a hold of us here on the phone if you call in. Uh, Sean is sitting by waiting for your phone calls. The number is 440-946-9468. Again, 440-946-9468. You can email us at radio at maximumvp.com, or you can tweet at us you got three ways there. You have our company Twitter handle, which is at MaximumVP. For Jack Mencini, it's at JackMMVP. And for me, it's at Adam Sunhalter. So lots of ways for you to be part of the show, uh, whether you're listening live here in the in the Willoughby area or if you're listening on the podcast. We're here in the studio from 7 p.m. to 8 p.m. Eastern every Wednesday night. So you can call in with, with comments, questions, thoughts you've got about it. So uh, as Jack was mentioning, our topic tonight is how do you know you're ready? How do I know I'm ready as the owner to sell the company? And, you know, let me just start off by saying uh, this is a topic that unless you're on uh, the bigger stage, you know, you know, my first 10 years of my career, I spent time in, in Wall Street helping people to raise money and sell, sell and buy companies. And when you're first starting out, you know, the, the, you know, these hot technology companies, big companies going to raise some money, people often ask about what's the exit? What's the exit plan? That's one of those fancy pants words, Jack. It sounds fancy simple, but it's a pants. fancy pants word, right? That is. That's a fancy pants phrase. So the exit plan means, okay, well, how are we going to get out of this thing? And so if you're talking to a private equity person, so that could be a venture capitalist or a leveraged buyout person, typically their their time horizon will be about a five- to seven-year investment. So they want to know from you day one, hey, what's your plan to get me out of this thing in five to seven years? It's funny, Adam, how that big Wall Street dialect, uh, our dialogue goes goes to uh, filter down to these small companies that we deal with. But go on. Well, no, usually what happens is, and we've seen this, Jack, and, and uh, I think most of our, of our listeners can relate to this, you're not starting or buying a company with the idea of how you're going to get out. The thing you're trying to get out of usually will be your current employment or the place where you're at or the current situation you're at. trying to get out of that to get into owning a company. Well, my, my point is that they borrow from the Wall Street 
uh, phraseology here to, to, hey, I'm going to get this company. I have to have an exit plan. People will advise a small company, which is our clients, 1 to 25 employees. Hey, when you buy, buy, make an acquisition here, make sure one of the first things you do is have an exit plan. Well, that's a Wall Street term. It is. Yeah, that's not a tiny little million and a half dollar company here. But we want to bring it up tonight because if you've owned your company for a number of years, and let's say you've been in business for at least, let's say, five to ten years, this show is really for you, for, for sure. Because if you haven't ever thought about that question, about, hey, how do I know if I'm ready to sell or not? Right. If you've never thought about it, okay, well, hey, here's your wake-up call. You know, if, you, you know, if you're looking for a sign, if you're into signs, here's your sign, okay? you got to start thinking about this thing a little bit. And if you haven't thought about it or talked about it for a while, again, here's another, here's another wake-up call for you. Hey, it's, it's good to be thinking about it because uh, part of what we want to talk about tonight is a little bit, you know, in addition to the how, the question is kind of why you know, somebody would sell. And we've, you know, we've got a lot of different situations as far as why somebody might feel that need or that desire to sell. And we'll sprinkle in. We've got all kinds of stories about, uh, like I mentioned, there's been some current situations here with clients here the last the last week or so. But uh, as Jack mentioned at the opening of the show, uh, he and I have been together coaching small companies for over 15 years. And we have lots of stories in our history, too, in terms of folks um, who weren't ready to sell, even though that may, maybe they wanted to sell, they weren't really ready to sell. Um, and other folks who weren't really ready to sell, but got offers that they really couldn't refuse and wound up selling, you know, mm-hmm. and so, and everything in between. And so we want to cover some of those things tonight because, you know, chances are uh, one or more of these situations and stories will probably relate pretty well to you. And it's one of the things that eventually you want to be able to do. And it could be too, if you're in what people often refer to as a family business, where you're looking to maybe eventually transition it to the next generation. Okay, that's the same kind of thing. How do you know you're ready to sell or how do you know you're ready to, to, to transition it? These are uh, hard questions to answer. It's easy to ask. Easy to ask, like so many, right? That's right. Mm-hmm. So one of the reasons you know, that, that, that you might want to sell, we, we've kind of boiled down to three here, right, Jack? We got uh, the first one is kind of your, we'll call it being backed into a corner, okay? So what does that look like? Well, maybe you've got uh, a partner in the business. And, you know, as Jack mentioned, we've been partners for 15 years, and we really haven't any, haven't any big knockdown, drag out fights in 15 plus years. But we remarkable. know. Remarkable. Remarkable. When's the first one coming? <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know. Do you, do you see them coming, or do they no, come out of nowhere? Like, like a meteor don't coming feel to it. strike, don't right? feel it. That's right. But we know from our experience, Jack, that, you know, we're very unusual um, in, that, in that realm. Uh, typically, even the best partnerships will have some have some struggles along the way, and if it get, becomes more and more common, and, and this is a this was a case for a client of ours years ago, where we had uh, partners that were related when they actually started the business. Uh, that relation ended due to due to a divorce during the course of their owning a company together, and then much like that relationship where it ended in divorce. Uh, their partnership started to, to, to feel some stresses and strains where they wanted to get out of it. And the problem was it was a service-based business. And as people who are in service-based companies will often say, they'll talk about their key assets that unlike a manufacturing plant that has a lot of tangible assets, a lot of machinery and equipment that, that's there, and it's there 24-7, for a service-based company, their assets are tangible because they're people, Okay, it's people and their knowledge, 
but those people and that knowledge often is not resonant as part of the company. They they get up and leave usually at some point during the during the day. You have to try to chain them down. Eventually, they they find a way to kind of break free and get out and get you know, and get home. And so uh, with the service That's right. base, very mobile, aren't they? <laughs> they are. You try to lock them down. It's and they get kind of squirrely at times. But you know, so their assets are often leaving at the end of the day, and which is commonly a challenge too, as we find this is that. The owners themselves have a lot of knowledge and are very, very key day-to-day when it comes to running the company. Now, it doesn't mean that, that they can't be ill or traveling or out for a day or two, but they're, they're usually very, very tied in. If the owner were to be gone for several weeks or a couple of months, uh, chances are the business might go away. I mean, literally just go away. Stop doing business. Stop being able to, 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 to fund the, the business, to pay. You know, just they're so involved day to day that's right not an automatic pilot thing at all so in this case that was the case when we we first met them the 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 two owners were so so ensconced day to day with what's going on that you know the idea of selling seemed like a way of you can go back to the old calgon commercials remember those jack with the (laughs) the the woman in the bathtub say calgon take me away i do show her day being all hectic and stressful and everything else right i remember that so so for these owners that you know they had their calgon moment for lack of a better term and they said hey (laughs) a buyer jackson come in take all our problems away and buy us out and we can we can get away how great that's right. The, the problem was to stick with this this uh, bathtub theme, Jack. Uh, we kind of came in and burst their bubbles, so to speak, um, and we talked to them about <laughs> the, the 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 true value of the company. Unfortunately, it was a lot of it was locked in with them, and the the idea that a buyer would come in and pay them a handsome sum and let them walk out the door within the next you know 60 to 90 to 180 days was just not not realistic well that's the dream that so many of them have and they have no idea because that's not their business to sell companies and buy companies so they have no idea how to really put a value on the company and when they do put a value on the company now for the first time maybe in their life their business life here they start to think about that and that then causes other problems because whatever the value is, they're going to think they should be getting more. And it's a really what it really becomes is an education process to so many owners. All of a sudden, they'd like to sell their company because we're, we're talking about three, three general reasons why somebody would want to, uh, why it's time to sell the company. And the one we're talking about now is, is uh, the owner is backed into a corner of sorts. So it might be a health reason. Mm-hmm. It might be dollars. Uh, those dollars might be coming from from vendors, from the Internal Revenue Service, from other obligations that just can't be met uh, easily with the flow of the cash in the business. So they're you know, and they're just maybe they might be tired, just tired of tired of it all, and they they have to get out, and that's a reason why they want to. It's time to sell their business and they realize they have absolutely no idea about the process that it takes. To your point, Adam, they have unrealistic notions and boy, do they ever. So how do you do this? How do you, how do you, if you're not prepared, how in the world do you expect to truly sell your company for a price and terms that you'd like like that to happen? Well, that's a good question. And when we talk about this, you know, this is one of three, we'll get the other two here 
here in a minute, but the, the, the being backed into the corner, you know, we, we put it in those terms because, again, it, as you might suspect, it isn't necessarily the best situation to be in, right? So, again, if you're having those partnership issues, if you're having a health issue, you know, we had a, we had a, a former client get hit with cancer and was knocked down for, for, for quite some time, which led to him wanting to, 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 to sell the business. Or, as Jack has mentioned, just kind of being worn out. And we know, chances are, if you've owned a company for, for at least five years, at some point during those five years, you felt worn out. And I'll tell you what, if somebody, somebody called you up or walked in, you, you walked in and offered you something for your, for your company, you probably would have taken it on the spot. That's okay? right. That's right. So it's not unusual in that roller coaster ride of, own, of, of owning the company where, where you're, you're going to feel some of those things. So th- those are more of what we would call kind of more of a, a negative situation, okay, where you're not going to be necessarily in the best position when it comes to, to, to wanting to sell in terms of being able to negotiate because you're you're very emotional at that point, which is not, not putting you That's in a very good, very good position. That's right. But there are, there are two other scenarios in terms of why you would probably want to sell that are a little bit more positive. And we have some stories there as well that we, that we want to share. So what we'll do is we'll get to those after this break, Jack. So we're, we're, we're up against our first break here today. So we'll talk a little more about how do you know, how do you know as the owner of the company that you're ready to sell your business. So stay tuned for more about that. I'm Adam Sonhalter. And I'm Jack Mancini. And we are business coaches with a company called Maximum Value Partners. We've got more dirty secrets of small business coming your way. So stay tuned here on Integrity Radio, WINT 1330 AM, 101.5 FM, and online, wintradio.com. All right, welcome back to the journey that is Dirty Secrets of Small oh, Business. We're, got, we're on this. I recognize You know this song, right, Jack? All right, so we got our themes tonight, Guns N' Roses and Journey. Some good, good tunes from the 1980s bring us way back. So, All right, so welcome back. I'm Adam Sonhalter. Hello, Adam. I'm Jack Mancini, and it's good to be back after that long break here. Long break. It goes so slow. We love being on the air. We hate not being on the air. So... <laughs> All right, tonight we're talking about how do I know I'm ready to sell? Okay, mm-hmm. how do I know I'm ready to sell my business? And if you have thoughts, questions about this, please feel free to be part of the show. Give us a call. Sean's sitting by in the studio, ready to take your phone calls, 440-946-9468. If you aren't getting to this live, shoot us an email, radio at MaximumVP.com. Jack, I'd love to talk to you about it and, get, and help you understand um, if you're ready or not. And we got some great stories here tonight to talk about it. In our first segment, we talked about... Uh, one of the three reasons why you might want to sell and kind of talked about that, which is a little more negative one, which is kind of being backed into the corner. But we're uh, teasing at the break about a couple other po- uh, more positive ones in terms of why you might want to sell. And so uh, the second uh, reason here is you, c- you come across where somebody gives you an unsolicited offer. Those are nice. They are, you're, all of a sudden you get an email or a letter in the mail and, and uh, you're having whatever a typical day is. And here's somebody that sounds very legitimate saying that they're interested in buying your company. Usually it's they've done a market survey in the industry. They're either consolidating businesses or they looked at your whatever. It's very flattering. And there's no amounts mentioned, but uh, quite often they're, they're asking for a phone, phone call or an email back or some, some type of uh, contact. Now those letters... I, in my experience, are rarely, if ever, thrown out. 
they usually go in a drawer somewhere because someday down the line, you know from running your company for a few years, you know that there's going to be those days that you just want to get the heck out of there. So where do you start? Well, since you aren't really schooled and you don't have experience in selling your own companies, basically that's a connection to it. Hey, someday, you think just quietly, someday I might need this. So that drawer does open in a year and a half when all of a sudden everything's driving you crazy for whatever reasons. But that's an unsolicited letter, unsolicited phone calls, emails, etc. But those things are usually kept and for good reason. Yeah, we find unless it is actually a, a phone call where you talk to somebody or, or, or if they walk in, if it's a letter, email, uh, we find too, as Jack, as you said, that there's often a, a file folder somewhere, and that could be again the physical one where it's it's dropped in there from a letter, or that's it's electronic in your email. Uh, early on, those are often not responded to, and one of the reasons we find that that being the case is, you know, as Jack was, was mentioning, you know, we're, you know, we have a business coaching company, and we coach owners of small companies on what we call our seven keys to success and there's a great graphic on our site if you go check it out at maximumvp.com and look under the mvp playbook you'll see um, i think for seven keys to success and the the last one on there uh, key number seven is what we call presenting and so one of the most intimidating things when somebody comes in to to solicit or make an offer for your company is as the owner you're often not quite sure what to say what do I talk about? What, you know, what do I don't talk about? You know, how, how do I present my company so it, it sounds attractive to this person if I want to get them interested in what's kind of going on? Um, it's not too different from how folks get the yips at the bar going to talk to that, that cute young, young lady over there. You know, how do I approach her and talk to her about stuff, <laughs> right? And that's why wingmen got invented. You, know, you bring somebody along with you to kind of give you some courage. And so one of the things we coach our clients on is how to go about presenting yourself. And... The, the the other seven keys the, the the other six of the seven keys that are on there, kind of give you a, a nice outline for what to talk Wait about. Wait a minute! In today's world, are only women approached? <laughs> well, since I've been married, going on twenty years, Jack, um, I don't I have no clue. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm gonna guess. I read about it. I read yeah. about it. it I've seen like... movies and shows about it, but in real life, I don't know. You know Sean yeah, Sean's not married. He's like I don't know what you're talking about. Right? Things... Women, you know, are women approaching you now, Sean? Sometimes, yeah, okay, a little bit. Huh. You know, I, got to, I, I have a 15-year-old son, and I, you know, he gets approached sometimes. So, but that's it's also done online these well, days too. It isn't necessarily physically. Men too. That's a, well, the rules go. are changing <laughs> quite significantly. Depends anyway. on the vibe you're putting out. But yeah, so yeah, that's so, so, so many. And those are other unsolicited offers <laughs> we're talking about. That's a different show that we're for, for, for a different right. night. But <laughs> uh, right. but. Okay, yeah. I just wanted to clarify. Yeah, that. yeah, no, no, that's people are thinking that way, Jack. It's okay. That's you aren't right. the only one. So these unsolicited offers kind of come in, and often you know we can get the yips or, or not respond because we aren't quite sure how to respond to them. And so it's one of the things we, we will talk to our clients about and coach them on to help them understand. Here's what you have to present, and to be able to put your best foot forward in terms of talking about and what do you talk about and, and at what level? How how high of a level do you talk about? What detail do you talk about? It can be very intimidating if you've never had a chance to present and talk about your company before. Okay. So unsolicited offers are good, and we've had those. We have a client actually that we're dealing with right now where done very well, has owned the company for I think it's seven or eight years, has grown quite a bit, and happens to be in an industry where there's quite a bit. I'm going to use a big fancy pants word here, Jack, so maybe you'll have, have to interpret for us. There's a lot of consolidation going oh, on. Oh, boy, consolidate. Let me look that up real quick. It's a five-syllable word. I know. 
<laughs> the Saint Ed's grad's only going two or three syllable words at most, but that's that's so that's, right. that's like that's like a full sentence. Well, that's because we communicate so effectively. So Ignatius <laughs> guys like to use six, seven syllable words, and nobody understands what you're talking about. So then they move on to us so they can understand it. That's right. That's how it works. So the consolidation is it means that there's there's some some bigger players in, in the marketplace that are buying up companies. They're buying up companies maybe in a certain region of the of the country or maybe across the country or across the world so they're, they're buying up where they're they're trying to get a certain certain amount of, of folks in that that space and so the fact that that this industry is is consolidating like that with the FC, a couple a couple of folks that are they're buying quite a few of these businesses all of a sudden they're on people's radar screens and so hey we've noticed what you're doing jack you seem to be doing some pretty good stuff we'd like to talk to you so all of a sudden, this phone call comes out of comes out of nowhere, and obviously, our client knows who this this company is because our client's they aware the of the industry. industry. Yeah, right. and and so that they're aware of this. And you know, I think, and you know, we we may have even talked about it a few years ago. Hey, this is probably going to happen at some point, but it it actually happened. The phone call the phone call came in, and what was funny about it was, um, nothing nothing's happened yet. There, there hasn't been a discussion or anything yet, but there was another supplier that got wind. That our client had been contacted and said, "Hey, you know, before you, you know, make some sort of deal over here with them, hey, make sure you talk to these folks, you know, my friends over here as well, because they're they 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 would love to talk to you too, Jack." And all of a sudden, it was like, "What? How, how did how they know? How did how, how did the word get out? But well, I didn't even do anything yet. And all of a sudden, there's there's stuff going on around there. So it can be very <laughs> intimidating, confusing, exciting, right?" Well, it's all those, and you know, you you listeners out there, it's it's a gigantic rush when someone's interested in buying your company, and at the same time, it's it's almost terror struck because you realize you have no idea what to do and how to truly respond to this. So typically, people will ask, "Well, what? How much you're willing to pay for it?" No, I mean, silly kind of things come out of their mouth, and it it doesn't it usually doesn't result initially the initial contact in a meaningful productive business exchange because you have no idea what you're what you're going to do how to field this offer it's new it's it's somebody's interested in my company and all of a sudden you start thinking about selling your company where you never sold it before and you've never you never sold any company before so here you are thrust into this so you start the predictable, call your CPA maybe, call your buddy who sold the company, um, call your lawyer, and all of a sudden the process of educating you to selling a company, putting a value on it, setting the terms, do something realistic, posturing uh, for a good negotiation so you get a, a very good price and you, you just don't blow it with ignorance. So all those things sort of come to bear. And now you're in in a in a mode that all of a sudden you'd like to sell your company, if I could get the right price, whatever the heck that means. And and like with many unsolicited offers, Jack, people start asking about your your package. Uh oh. And they ask to yeah, can you can I see your package? And you and you you you, 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 you pull the phone away from your ears. So you so always you always what start is, those discussions. <laughs> what's what's this person asking for, right? 
and you're not sure. You're not sure what that package looks like or how to how to present it or talk about it or even you know who should I show it to? Is right? it big? Is it small? Is yeah, it, yeah. They're so. talking about they're talking about crazy fancy pants terms like EBITDA and discretionary cash flow and all. I was like. I have no idea what, what this person's talking about. I can't get off the phone fast enough. I, even I'm so that, uncomfortable. You're right. Even after that, explained uh, what those words mean and ter or terms mean. Yes, they're still terribly confused. They start running. They start running away. Yeah. That's you. I mean, you're the business owner. Right. You start running away from that guy on the phone using those terms. So that that unsolicited offer, again, even though we're talking and kind of you know half joking, tongue in cheek here, Jack, kind of work and create some stresses. It's it's still a very positive thing. All of a sudden, hey, you've done some some good things. You you you've probably grown to a certain extent. You've impressed some people to the point where hey, you're you're gonna have some somebody kind of reaching out to you, phone, email, snail mail. If those of you who may have faxes, still may get some faxes. Um, you know, people walking in. You, you may get introductions from people you know, again there's lots of ways all of a sudden that these unsolicited offers might come in and okay that's a that's usually more positive because you aren't necessarily thinking about it you're, you're you got your head down you're kind of grinding through things you're helping to kind of grow your business do well and all of a sudden this thing just kind of comes comes at you so yeah, it makes you think it makes you think in ways that you haven't probably thought in years and it's kind of fun that's why it's so elated or elating wait is that a word elating elating i don't think so it makes you, know you feel I mean. elated i don't know yeah. Sure, I know what you mean, Jack. We're communicating. That's, That's all that matters, right? That's what counts. All right, so we've touched on on one negative. We got three. Here we are up, up against the second break already, Jack. We had the one negative one, which is, again, you're kind of back up against the wall. The first of the positive one, which is this unsolicited offer. And we got another positive one in terms of th the third reason why you might be looking to sell your company. Uh oh. But you have to wait till the, till after you get back from break to hear about it. So stay tuned. I'm Adam Sunhalter. And I'm Jack Mancini, and we'll see you at the turn. Stick around. we got more Dirty Secrets of Small Business coming your way here very shortly here on Integrity Radio, WINT 1330 AM, 101.5 FM, and online, WINTradio.com. I see your sister in a Sunday dress. All right. Welcome back. We've got more Dirty Secrets of Small Business coming your way. We're halfway through, Jack. I'm your co-host, Adam Sonhalter. And I'm your co-host, Jack Mancini. And we are here to talk about small business stuff. That's right. And as we're heading to break, we're talking about different ways as far as why you'd want to sell. We had one of the positive ways, and and uh, that was that you get an unsolicited offer. And the, the, the third reason why you might want to sell, and this is the second positive one, which is it's from planning. It's kind of you've been, you've been planning this for a while, and you're ready to where, hey, you know, I've, I've been thinking about this for some time. And yeah, I want to. I want to retire. I want to get out of this business when I'm 65, and I'm 45 now. I want, uh, you know, when my son and daughter finish college, whenever that may be, you know, I'd like to uh, sell my company. That's the planning you're talking about. Future events, future timetables that would trigger uh, selling the company. Something that you're aware of. It's on your calendar. You talk with your spouse if you have the owner or your partner, whoever that may be, to uh, kind of start cutting cutting ties, selling that company, and, and you're talking about it maybe once, twice a year. So it's very, very familiar with you and, and in terms of educating yourself. So you got a fair price. You understand it. And then when the time comes, you could start to get proactive yourself. Yeah. And uh, let me circle back to, to, to give a great example of this, Jack, because we had a, 
uh, in our first segment, we talked about a client of ours who we met, and it was a partnership issue. It was, it was that first one where they, they were kind of backed into the corner, and they weren't really ready to sell yet. And so um, over the course of the next 10 years, they got to the point where, where they were ready to sell. And actually, one of the partners bought the other partner out, and the, the remaining partner was ready to sell. In fact, sold the company for a very nice price and was able to walk away scot-free in 90 days after selling it. And so had a plan. And not just having a plan, it's the key is executing that plan. And a big part of that plan was getting a lot of the knowledge out of the owner's head and institutionalizing and making it part of the business to have certain processes and systems in place as it relates to how they do what they do from a product and service standpoint, how they do from a marketing standpoint, how they, how they go about finding and retaining and training good people and, and bringing up a handful of very good people to help run the organization. That's a key part of getting ready in terms of not only starting the plan, but get the plan executed to where the company starts to run without you being a key part of the organization. And the point, and, and this was happening for a while, you know, the, the owner had gotten to that point before the 10 year period. But the reason, kind of how he knew that he was ready to sell, this is kind of the transition now from our kind of wise Jack to maybe some of the house here for a second, which is he knew what he wanted to, to do next. Okay, that's a very important thing. Is uh, that's monstrously important. Go on. Yeah, no, you you were giving examples before, but hey, you know, I'm gonna pick a pick an age. Hey, it's 65, or hey, when so and so is out of college, or whatever it might be, and it's very similar to what you know, people have heard for years about uh, one of our least favorite words, which is retirement. And there's been a shift in that discussion now. If you hear financial planners talking, or folks, or you know, before our show here, we got Dave Ramsey's show that's on. Last week, the guy was talking about you know, retirement's not like an age. It's uh, it's financial independence. Or hey, I, I, you know, and, and the way they define that is often hey, I can do what I want when I want. I can live the kind of lifestyle that that I want to without having to work anymore. And so that doesn't necessarily need to be an age of hey, let's say 65. It could be 35, or 75, or 85. You know, or it isn't when you know the the kids reach certain milestones about graduating high school or college or graduate school or become a doctor. Again, it's you set it when when you're ready and having what you're going to do next. So in the case of our client, uh, our client has spent a number of years actually dividing time between the base business for a few days a week and became a combination of a gentleman farmer, had some cattle and some crops that was raising on a farm, and also got involved in some oil and gas business. Yeah, good. Uh, he's so content we can't, we can't pull him away for another venture here. Well, he, yeah. was, he was, well, but, but he, he was ready at that point to say, okay, I know that I'd rather spend more time doing this stuff than I am the base business. So right. he, again, he he was doing that for a good three years, four years, and again, you know, right. kind of going back and forth like that. So he got to the point that okay, hey, it became obvious and apparent to him that I know what I want to do next, and that's a big thing. It's a especially big thing when it comes to family business too. We see this very very common, where um, in the best scenarios, the current ownership is excited about what what's happening next, and again, it may be getting involved in a different business venture it may be where hey they, they finally want to do some traveling or or volunteer work whatever it might be but they they're, they're very excited about dedicating and, and devoting their time and energy to something else and that's a big driver to get them out of the day-to-day of the business side of it but it's also rare and well, rare isn't the right word it's uh less frequent that people spend the time once they plan on selling the company let's say they're going to sell the company when their uh, son and daughter graduate college and they put a lot of education and time into that and prepare for that, that time period. And 
Uh, lo and behold, uh, the, the time comes and they execute the sale of the company. Now they might, you know, the time they put into that is significant. Years of of planning and, and staying uh, clear in the motivation and keeping that target in front of them and revisiting it once or twice a year. And they put a lot of time, years literally into it. But the other part, unless they do have a business that starts to operate parallel, in parallel with uh, the existing business, they don't put those same years into planning what they're going to do afterwards. So the word retirement or I want, you know, I want to travel with my wife or husband uh, or whoever uh, for for several years after, you know, I want to see the world, I want to do these kinds of things. Well, that only lasts for a couple of years, usually. And all of a sudden, you're in a situation where financially you're in decent shape, but you have nothing to do. You're retired. You're You're retired without direction. And that isn't a pleasant place to be. And a lot of people do it, and it's certainly not appealing to me, and I think uh, the people we interview and counsel, it's usually not appealing to them as well. So you've got to put in time thinking about what happens after you sell your business, and let's assume you sell it at a nice profit, and you know, you're happy with the transaction, and a year or so afterwards, maybe two years, you're, you're uh, enjoying the fruits of your labor and the selling of that company. And all of a sudden you hit a wall. Wow. That's scary. But it's real. So the question is, how do they do that, Jack? And so if I use the example we were talking about with, about with our client, you know, he was spending time. He started to doing take stuff, more right? and more time away from the base business. Yeah. That's so right. the first thing that we'll, we'll suggest to folks is, hey, if you're working those five, six days a week, start working one day less. Start working a five-day week or a four-day week and take that, that day off. It isn't a day off to kind of lounge around and put your feet up. It's to explore some other things. And as a reminder of that earlier today, Jack and I were at a little informational session for uh, the Goldman Sachs 10,000 Small Business Program. And uh, we were asking some questions to, to some alumni of the program. And one of the things we asked about is you know, kind of how things have been since they they left. And the one, uh, the one owner mentioned how she, you know, they used to have their class on Friday. And so she was out, of, out, out, you know, out at work on Fridays. And she's kept doing that since the class is finished, where she's, she's taking that Friday, and instead of coming into the office, is now, you know, she's taking her time right now because she's still early enough in the business to kind of still work on the business. Um, but I know, you know, for something like that, as she progresses, well, chances are things start running pretty well. She'll find other things to start to kind of do. And I would not be surprised if over the next five years, if all of a sudden she finds that she's, a young, a young woman, you know, probably I'm guessing her maybe mid thirties, Jack, from you know, what mm-hmm. I can tell him, you know, and I wouldn't be surprised if all of a sudden she finds something else that's of interest to her sure. because she's away and testing her team and, and, and her, if her team's running things pretty well, again, you know, well, a conscious effort has to be made to do that, to devote the time to the after sale kind of uh, uh, process. And you have to educate yourself to that every bit, if, if not more than, the pre-sale, you know, efforts. Uh, You just don't stop living after the sale of your company. So that's a big deal. That's all part of the planning process, both sides. And you might even think, you know, I mean, starting a venture, starting a nonprofit, you know, there's so many ways that uh, we certainly counsel our clients on that that you can go, roads to take, ways to to get your thinking in in a place that you just haven't done before. But it's exciting. It's an exciting prospect to be 
planning to sell your company when certain events happen, and by God, you sell it, but you're also prepared. You're prepared for that big change in life. That's a big deal. So this is something that, that Jack, that you and I talk to our clients about all the time, and as we're talking right now about a couple of our seven keys, here it's really a combination of leadership in terms of what you should be doing as a leader, being out front of stuff, but also the vision. And the vision is that question of kind of what do you want to be when you grow up? You know, second be for both your company that you currently have, but also, you know, what do you want to do afterwards? And so that's a question you should never really stop asking. I don't care if you're, you're 35, 65, or 95, you're still living and breathing and, and, and relatively healthy. You, you should be continue to ask that question in terms of what are you, what are you going to do next and, and being looking forward. That's an important part of it. And you know, one of our other keys is, is the organization plan. That's, that's, a, that's a key part of this. And being able to be a good leader and be able to, to direct your team and be able to step away and let them let them do stuff. You know, this young lady was very impressed with this. She talked about how you know my team's really good, and I've given them tools. I just have to get out of the way. Let, let them utilize those tools to get stuff done, and and stop trying to you know, nitpick at stuff and micromanage and be right on top of them all the time. You know, so again, very good self reflection to be aware of of what it means, and that's often the case. You know, we find there's some some hidden jewels, so to speak, within companies where you've got some very good people. That just haven't been given the, the the responsibility, given the reins a little bit to kind of to go out and 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 do things without having to be the the, the owner being the one constantly having all the answers, all well, the answers. Plus, plus, Adam, the the value of the company is is determined in large part by the development of your people, the organization itself. If that can function while you're doing whatever you're doing outside of the company and away from the company. Uh, there's real value there. If I'm looking to buy a company, I'd like to see it functioning uh, along some organizational path that can sustain itself with with people and their efforts. Not necessarily, uh, I, I'm interested in buying your company, but I got to buy you as the critical taskmaster of this company. The the value goes down because my interest goes down. I don't want to rely on you. I want to rely on your six people, ten people, fifteen people, whatever it is. That's what I'm looking for. Yeah, we had, we had another client recently where this happened too, where it was kind of, and can we come back to the reason why, the, the planning and ready thing, okay? And so they'd run the company for not quite a decade, and we're, we're planning stuff out, growing, um, yeah, growing the organization, getting some key people on board. And there was a change in, in, in kind of their personal life, what, what, what they wanted to do. And they said, hey, we'd like to entertain, and we have a, a price in mind. If we get the price we're looking for, then we're going you know, we're, we're, we're to sell them back away. And they're ready to go, and we coach them through the process as far as what to present, how to present, and come back to the packager a little bit. In terms of here's what you want, you want to talk about. Here's some of the key selling points for the business. And while as the owner, the owner was still involved what was going on, um, not nearly as involved and, and critical to the company as the owner was you know, a few years before. And it was a conscious effort to invest in people, invest in systems, and get things working to where the, you know, the, the owner wasn't going to be the, the, one, um, the, the one key cog there. And so finding the right buyer for, for that for that situation was you know, was a key piece as well. But it's it's making sure you 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 you're you're, you're ready. And again, the, the plan you know, their plan wasn't to sell in, in year seven or year eight. The plan was to sell really after ten or twelve or fourteen years. But they reached their goals in terms of the size of the company before that. So hey, you know plans get accelerated, or they, and they came up and they and they got something else that that, that tells you how you know you're ready. They, they got the price. The price that they're looking for, they're able to get, and they said, "Okay, well, this is the right time to be able to sell." And um, knowing what to do next, there were some family things that they were getting involved in, but 
the owner also got involved in another company too, starting another company because it becomes addictive once you know what you're doing and, and becomes much easier to start things up. So, all right, we got a few more stories, Jack, and, uh, that I want to talk about. I want to talk about do. one too that that, that that came up today that uh, relates to your own personal story, Jack. So That's I want to right. touch on that when we come back. So stay okay. tuned. We got more stories coming. I'm Adam Sonhalter. And I'm Jack Mancini, and we're talking about how do you know when it's time to sell your business tonight? And we've got uh, more dirty secrets coming your way here on Integrity Radio, WINT, 1330 AM, 101.5 FM, and online, wintradio.com. All right, we're back. Went out with Paradise City, which is where we're at right now. If you're selling your company for the right price to the right buyer and you're off on to your next gig, it's like two tickets to Paradise from our buddy Eddie Money. Right? We like all those good things. All right, now we're, we're on number three of our three categories. Oh, we, jumped, we jumped beyond that. We jumped into the, some of the houses. I'm going to jump back into the things. I was going to jump things. into a house, too. Another were? Right. I, I, I want you to share your story, too, that, that came up earlier today, Jack, because we had a little blast in the past. But go ahead. Blast from the past. You know, the third, the third category that we were talking about was planning. Planning and executing that plan to educate yourself and get the right balance and do the right things to make your company more valuable. And then at the right time or whatever the trigger date is, you uh, start to sell it, but you're a very informed person. And generally, you're going to get a good deal in terms of selling the company. What happens after is a whole other story. But in that process of doing your homework and becoming a, uh, a knowledgeable person to plan to sell your company, quite often you reach that conclusion that, Hey, I don't. Why do I? Why do I want to sell my company? If I have the organization of key people, younger than myself, in all likelihood to take over, that I can groom. Why shouldn't I just keep this company as the owner and get out of the operations? Well, that's an option, and it's an option that that keeps the the ace in the hole, so to speak, that you could still sell your company. But to be part of it, part of the ongoing growth with people who you have confidence and trust in that you've groomed, that's another option. And that, that obviously doesn't sell your company, or you could sell it to the, 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 your employees as well. And once you get that education, once you get the preparation done where your company is truly ready to sell in a realistic way, that opens the doors for other options as well. So that's why it's important to do this, not just get backed into a corner. You know, you don't want to do that. And unsolicited offers are random, and they may terminate in terms of of time and interest. But if you work to prepare your company for sale and give yourself ample time to do it, that is by far the best way to go. We had uh, one recent client where it happened, you mentioned, Jack, about the opportunity to maybe sell the company to to your employees. And one of the reasons why people often just don't keep running it and and be the absentee owner is that sometimes the good people are gonna are gonna go away and they figure hey, hey you know if I'm running this thing for you now Jack and you're not even around why do I keep paying you not to be around you know so you know you let me buy you out and take it over or, or I have confidence at that point I can kind of run my own thing and so we had a client that that's what happened you know worked for the company for almost two decades and the owner came and was in the position where the owner could play the bank where 
uh, you know, the, the owner, t- you know, said, here, I'll, I'll let you buy it out of the, you know, on these terms. And you just kind of keep paying me here for the next, you know, six, eight, ten years. Here's the deal. Laid it out. And the, 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 the new ownership kind of took over and can work very well. And it was able to do that because the owner, you know, was able to do what you were saying, Jack. He was able to kind of back away and not, not be as involved day to day. Um, but I want to come back to our, our, our second thing here, our unsolicited offer. Because it was triggered earlier today, you know, you, you had a, the first company that you had bought and fixed up, um, you know, you got some unsolicited offers. You had a couple of unsolicited offers, actually, you were talking about. I did. All right. So why don't you, why don't you tell everybody kind of how that, how that kind of happened? What, you know, what does that look like? The whole deal or the offers? The offers. Yeah. You don't have time the whole for the whole deal. deal. whole deal takes about a half hour. Yeah, to we only got about four minutes. So oh, that's a good story, though. Anyway. The uh, a company that I bought it was a small company that that was in gross disrepair. In fact, it was uh, in the process of being shut down by the IRS, Internal Revenue Service, and uh, I was able to buy the company right and fix it up. Meaning, you know, put some investment, not big investments, because the company was a very small company, and. Uh, you know, it's also in a very small industry. Most industries in Northeast Ohio, which is where we're located, uh, are small, and the players in those industries sort of know each other and and are certainly aware of any changes going on. So here's a company that was earmarked for the grave. Uh, they literally were going to close it down and auction whatever was there off. And I was able to come in at the last minute and buy it. And uh, I was able to, over a couple of years... Uh, fix it up, both physically, mentally, put in good practices, good marketing, increase the sales and the product offerings. And we uh, tweaked the, the process and took us from caveman days to to uh, something uh, in the 1900s that uh, would, would, be, <laughs> would be representative of change. Anyway, we grew the business and uh, it, was, it was quite successful and doing well. Well, a couple of the players, one who, who was a competitor of a, and provided a very large, probably the biggest competitor uh, in, in Northeast Ohio by far, one of the biggest manufacturers of the same products we were making. Uh, the owner, who I knew from another little uh, involvement in the community, I didn't like him at all, and he came in very condescending, and but very complimentary as terms of, I would have never guessed in a million years that this company would would be not only surviving but look great and, and uh, making money and and growing, you know. He said, I'm very interested in buying your company. Well, you made me a ridiculous offer. Ridiculous and how? <laughs> in, ter- in, terms, <laughs> in terms of price, in terms of... So not, uh, not not good ridiculous, you mean, like ridiculously bad offer? like va- Yes. Yeah, okay, not yeah. Because uh, yeah. that's, that's one of those words, Jack, that can go either way, like interesting. Ridiculous <laughs> can be good or ridiculous can be bad. So. Well, that's true. So this, so this, will be really, this is a bad offer, okay. very bad. But, you know, it was uh, it fit his personality well. He was, you know, I just almost kicked him out. I mean, So the, now you really didn't like the guy. It. You didn't like him to start with, then he came like up this ridiculously low offer. Not one bit. Okay. But there's another guy, an older gentleman, I, I believe second generation, and he was. Uh, he also came around and was very complimentary about the changes. And this is a different company, too. Different company, okay. different man. Got it, okay. And he... Uh, he he would he would talk be complimentary and notice changes and he was uh you know he had been in the industry for probably 40 years and he he could recognize positive change and he too one day said you know he said 
uh, if you're so inclined, because I probably laid out a, a little feeler there. He said, if you're so inclined, he said, we'd like to buy your company here. It could fit a little niche for us, a little niche, because they were bigger than, everyone was bigger than me, or my company at that time. But uh, I said, sure. So we started talking, and we went back and forth for several months, and we finally reached a deal that was very favorable to him. I liked him. I liked him a lot. I liked him before we even started talking about the company. I trusted him, and I made a sweetheart deal with him for him and for me, too, because I got the price I wanted. The terms were slanted towards him, which was fine, because I felt very comfortable of, of his uh, trustworthiness here, and it worked out very well. So, But both of these were unsolicited, and as the word buzzed around, the industry isn't huge, but it's big enough, you know, there are other people who, who would feel out, uh, hey, you interested in selling? And if I didn't know him, you know, I'd put that letter or comment in the top drawer. You know, it's <laughs> going to be someday. But these two guys made physical appearances, and I got to know them both. And the one I didn't like after I got to know him, the other I did. But, uh, yeah, it's a good story because it worked out well. Mm-hmm. And it just shows, uh, you know, I wasn't interested in selling. But at the same time, when I got a good price and the offer, and I had things I wanted to do after this. I was uh, getting involved with other companies that I ultimately bought. So it's coming back to that. If you have something to do in addition to the company you're running and you want to build or at least spend some time on that, that makes it much easier to sell a company versus all your eggs are in one basket. So that's the story good. on that company. I, I like know. that. It was good. The, 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 the unsolicited offers come in all different shapes and sizes, as you're mentioning. But I think the key there, again, which is we kind of mentioned a little earlier, which which is true in your case as well, Jack, which is if you're doing good things, mm. those good things will, will get noticed. And that, uh, That's an excellent point. People people are paying attention to it, and that's part of what you should be doing too. I mean, we're very big on talking about market research, and that sounds like another fancy-pants word, but it's really being aware of what's going on, going on around you especially if you have a local market like you like you mentioned here in northeast ohio for a lot of companies you be, be aware of those things if it's more national international again but just be aware of what's going on who's making some waves who's doing some some interesting things and we always encourage clients to talk to competitors you know we're, we're often amazed at how people are often afraid to talk with engage with competitors and it, again it comes back to that the, the phrase I mentioned before, Jack, when these often unsolicited offers come in, it's the presenting thing. People are, are not right. sure what to present, not to present, uh, afraid of saying the wrong thing. Like they're going to let out whatever that secret formula is going to be their success. And it's, you know, have the confidence to go talk and sit down and talk to your to your competitors. Been, just understand what's what's going on. You, usually you're going to learn some stuff as part of that, 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 part of that discussion. Always. Yeah. You always do. And you might find some chances where you – could be the one making those unsolicited offers to somebody because you're going to find something that's very attractive to you. And uh, those come in all sorts of ways. And so, all right, well, <clears throat> as is always the case, Jack, this becomes the fastest hour time in, in is, radio. Time is done. It that's is. Right. And so uh, we sure a lot of, I think a lot of good stories. That we, you know, we touched on many of uh, the client stories we want to touch on, I think, frame this pretty well. And it comes to, again, you know, being able to know uh, how do you know that you're ready to sell and kind of why – important stuff to be able to be thinking about so uh, we appreciate you uh, joining us on this week's edition of dirty secrets of small business and we invite you to tune in every wednesday 7 p.m eastern 
If you have any questions before, shoot us an email, radio at MaximumVP.com, or give us a call, 877-849-0670. Remember, you can subscribe to our podcast at iTunes. If you go there, please leave a review. It would be great. Or get on the archive uh, at WINTradio.com or at our website, MaximumVP.com. Hey, learn more dirty secrets of small business next Wednesday, 7 p.m. Eastern. Hey, thanks for listening on Integrity Radio, WINT, 1330 AM, 1015 FM, and online, WINTradio.com.